We're in our series of the commitments. And um, to recap a little bit of last week, people ask, how is it that I come to be connected to Bloom? How do I get involved? And the question, I mean, the answer is by entering into a common rhythm with the people that are part of Bloom. So there's no kind of linear process. It's just kind of enter in whenever you can, however you can, at what level that you can. And I want to um, put this slide up about our common life from last week. And that simply is that we are guided by our values. So our values are what guide us. Our values find expression through our commitments. Our commitments take form in our spaces. I shared last week that a mentor uh, to our community said that Bloom is a habit. It's a way of being in the world. It's a way of relating to each other. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of praying. And when we do that together, that is being connected to Bloom. Are you with me? So involvement is something that you enter into. You enter into a common rhythm. And the way that I experienced it, the way that uh, those that I speak with experiences, you start doing the rhythm of bloom. You start looking at the commitments in a prayerful posture. How do I live this more deeply? How do I live this out with a community of faith that gathers around this table? All of a sudden, you notice your part. Uh, when I um, first came to so I came to bloom and then I left for whatever reason and then um, well, for a lot of reasons. I had nothing to do with Bloom, more my own faith in the church uh, as a whole. But um, I was kind of going through a time. And Andrew Arndt, who was the teaching pastor, we met up at Breck Brewery uh, back when it was on Santa Fe, if you remember that place. Does anyone remember that place? Thank you. <laughs> it was great. It was glorious. Um, anyway, we, mo- we met there And he said, I just think you might need to come and cry in the back of Bloom for a few months. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) So I came and I cried and I went and sat in the back for a few months. But that was how I was involved at the time. That was what connecting to Bloom looked like to me at the time. And that was okay because I was starting to be drawn by the values, beauty, sacrament, and restoration, which were incredibly refreshing. And I started to live out the commitments. One was worship and prayer. I didn't even know I was doing it, but all of a sudden it was happening. And that's what it looks like to be a part of it. It's not quick. It's not structured. We know that. But in the most of the history of the church, there was what they called a rule of life. And they met together and they said, let's try to live out this pattern of life together. That the texture of our relationship would be defined by our values, our commitments that we have set as the center of our community. So we're guided by the Holy Spirit. We're led by Christ, not by a person, not usually by a sermon series. We're led by the Spirit. And so our values are beauty, sacrament, and restoration. You can put those up. And our commitments are worship, prayer, shared life, hospitality, service, and generosity. Those are all found, if you want to 
I hardly ever say this, but if you want to listen to the talk from last week, we went through all of that about what are our values and what are our commitments. Really helpful. And um, when we start to live out those commitments together, that is the habit. That's the rhythm. That's the texture. Whatever you want to call it, that is being a part of this community. Does that make sense? Um, so we're going to talk about the first commitment, which is worship. So I'm going to put that slide up. This is from um, this is our statement on worship. We as Bloom are committed to regular patterns of worship that gather us up as God's people, put us into positions to experience God's loving presence, remind us of our identity, and send us back into this world full of the Spirit, eager to serve. So that's what we have said is happening in worship. We're going to talk about the commitment to worship, and what I'm talking about is not Paul, you know, Paul like, makes this whole thing cosmic. And he's saying, your spiritual act of worship is to bring your body, the whole of who you are. And that is true, but what we're talking about is this corporate worship, this gathering that we've seen the church do since its inception. That's what we're doing this morning. So what, what happens in worship? Why are we doing this? Something that was hard for me to wrap my head around um, kind of in my hiatus from the church, was that worship seemed to be coming into a room, kind of participating in some sort of show. Uh, then there was like a fancy talk, and you were done. And that was Sunday worship. So what is it that the church saw worship to be? And, and what are we going for here? It's the question, what does it mean to commit to worship? And I know that um, you know, Bloom is actually larger than it feels because there's a lot of people connected to Bloom. Um, but <laughs> this expression on Sunday, you know, it comes and goes, and, and, and we all know it, and we laugh about it, but people go out of town, they go to the mountains, and, and we appreciate that, and we love that, that we're a community that values worship, but it's not kind of this, this, the main thing, you know what I mean? Like, it's not the, way, the main way you can be involved in Bloom. It's also not the main way that you can worship. But it is important and things happen at this table that don't happen anywhere else in your life. Okay? So there's, we're always trying to balance that leniency and like, yes, go experience life. Go travel. Go be with friends and family. And like, we don't want any guilt put on the community for not being here on Sunday. You're never going to call. Like, where were you on Sunday? Um, unless you're, never mind. But, <laughs> but there is something here that happens. And there is a reason to commit to coming on Sunday to gather with the community. Um, that's for all of you who are listening online. And probably on Thursday at 10 p.m. is when people tend to watch the service. So, um, so what is the, what is the church say about worship? So we're going to look at the catechism, question and answer form. The question is, what is corporate worship? It's from the church. In corporate worship, we unite ourselves with others. So there's that piece of unity that Christ talks about. May they be one. We talked about that, that, that qualitative study that just came back. Uh, um, people who had died and then brought back, what they kept saying over and over again was that I was brought into a oneness. I was with it. It was with me. There's somehow the thing that holds us all together is also calling us to be one with each other. That is the gospel. Jesus saying, may they be one. 
with you, with each other. So there's that unity that we see right there. In corporate worship, we unite ourselves. We live into the reality of oneness with others to acknowledge. And that just is to give attention to, to be aware together. I've said like a lot of times that, that um, what we do primarily here is to be aware and to respond to the reality of God, to the spirit moving among us holding us, creation surrounds us, Christ seen in every person. So it's this, it's this holy, sacred act of awareness together. So we're open, our eyes are open, as Isaiah says. Our ears are open to sense the Spirit, to hear the Spirit, to experience Christ. It's an awareness. To acknowledge the holiness, the otherness of God to hear God's word, to offer prayer, and to celebrate the sacraments. So when we come into this, you know, we, we uh, have adapted a liturgy from the early church. So that's what we do. And we do that because we want to be guided by those who have gone before us in wisdom. So every church has a liturgy, right? Even if they say we're not liturgical, well, some churches' liturgy is let's do worship, through music for like 15 minutes, and then we'll do giving, and then we'll do a sermon. But that's a liturgy, right? So our liturgy largely is informed by the history of the church, by the historic church. So when we come in and we say that prayer preparation, God to whom all hearts are open and all desires known. So it's saying from the get-go, <laughs> no one's in the service at that point, but for your information, that's what we do. We, um, we pray that prayer of preparation, the collect of purity. It's saying together, we're present with each other. We breathe the same air. We acknowledge that God sees all, that we're loved, that we're held, that we're seen, that there's no hiding. And so it's this, I mean, how many gatherings do you go to that start like that? You know, have you ever invited a happy hour or whatever and everyone's just like, let's just take a moment to, to see that we're all here. Does this happen to anybody? To acknowledge that God sees us, that we're known, that there's no hiding, there's no like false, whatever, veneer that we have. I mean, it's really unique. And I think it's why Rowan Williams, the previous Archbishop of Canterbury, said that the church united in worship is the truest expression of humanity on the face of the earth. There's nothing like it, no matter how you come. I mean, I came kind of depressed this morning and kind of beat down by just stuff that happened this week. And we come and we say that prayer, like I don't have to leave that at home and pretend to be something else while I'm here, right? I bring that, I'm coming, you see everything in me and you're constant and you're here, you're holding us. All the same. That's the prayer preparation. That's how we enter in. And then we have songs that kind of speak to that, that draw us in, that we're saying, ignite our senses. And we move on to the word of God. The interesting thing is that, you know, for us in our culture, when we, if I said like, read the Bible, what do you think of? Probably sitting somewhere in your house, opening the Bible by yourself, reading it, 
Anyone know about the quiet time? Was anyone raised up to do a quiet time? No? Okay, fine. <laughs> so it's, it's waking up in the morning, like Stephen Campbell, waking up at 4.30 every morning and getting that quiet time done. <laughs> That's what we think of, but really for the history of the church, for the, for the majority of the church's life, Scripture was read to each other. It, w- it was something that we did for each other. Most of the early church, they didn't have copies of Scripture. There's no way they could afford all those scrolls. And even if they did, like, where do they put them? <laughs> like, you have this massive bag, like Santa Claus of the early church scroll. You know, like, what do you do? You go and, and, and to read the Word of God, to read the story of God's people, you gather together. And someone had the amazing honor standing and saying, let me remind you of who you are. Let me remind you of the history of the people of God. That's scripture. Let it inform you. You know what's funny too is that that scripture, we see humanity learning. And there were things that were blamed on God. You know, massacre, war, that, that was blamed on God. You know, like, oh, God told us to do this. God told us to go kill these people. But then you see that the later prophets said, those prophets had it wrong. Can you hold that? You know, can you, we're invited into a story in which God's people are evolving in their relationship to God. Is that it's not to say like all scripture is exactly applicable and, and exactly how we should be. You have to take the history and the poet, the poem, the poetry, blah. The testimony, you take it all together and you say, this is what it looks like for humanity to interact with the Holy Spirit, to relate to God. It's a journey and it's beautiful. And we play a part in that. We play a part in that. But it's saying, remember, lest we, we feel ourselves kind of go astray. We go, remember when they thought that way? Where did that get them? Remember when they thought that they were supposed to be conquerors back then? What did the minor problem, what did Amos say about that? Not good things. So let's not go backwards, let's go forward. That's kind of, I'm just rambling now. But that, the point is, Scripture calls us to remember who we are. And it's done together, Right? You know, like this whole thing about sit down and have your quiet time and just the, the Bible will speak to you. I mean, that kind of. But isn't it so much more rich when we're all gathered together and someone's reading and it's, you just feel that common breath. You feel like you lean into it. And when Lori was reading this morning, I was like, man, this is so good. Like, we're not seen for what we do wrong. We're not seen for our sin, but we're welcomed as a mother welcomes her children. Like you just felt the room kind of, that's what scripture is. Remember who you are. To offer prayer. So our liturgy calls us to pray for the world. You know what? It doesn't matter how we feel about it that day. We have to pray for the world. It doesn't matter where you land politically. You are going to pray for those left out, captives, refugees, those who are forgotten, you have to pray for them. Prayer, one guy told me years ago, he's like, I don't really read the news or anything, but I kind of get my current events from Bloom. And we haven't done 
great at that as of recent, but like we used to say, this thing is going on and we're going to pray for it. And he would be like, oh, I didn't know that happened, but I guess I'm praying for it now. That's how the church should be. Now I'm convicted because we really haven't done that in a long time. So look for current events in the prayer next, <laughs> next week. But, but that, that's the power of prayer. It doesn't matter where you stand on this issue or that issue, or if you feel like praying, it's like, well, I guess it's time to pray. Stand up. And part of that prayer is confession. Forgive us for those things which we have done. And the more powerful statement, and left undone. Forgive us. You know, um, actually, Hugh Brandt said this to me. That in this day and age, it's so hard to figure out what the church is doing and, and there's kind of some misbehavior going around in the church and condemning and all the things that we've seen the church be in the last several years especially. It's so refreshing to go into a church that confesses. That's really rare. And it's perhaps one of the most important things that we can do together. Confess for the ways that we have strayed, that we haven't been an embodiment of the love and compassion of God in the earth. That confession we say every week, every week, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yes, that one right there. That's right. I've strayed. Not to be condemned, but to be welcomed back in the absolution, to be welcomed back to the table. But again, remember who you are. And we don't do series on, you know, this is how to confess, so let's all try it together. Like, if someone comes in and they're new, like, they're confessing today, right? Because the liturgy calls us to confess, and the church is to confess, so just jump in. When I went to, um, when I moved up here, I started going to the Episcopal Cathedral downtown, and um, it was incredibly powerful for me. Because... Oh man, I needed to confess. But I didn't know how. I didn't like I knew that something was not right. And all of a sudden I go into this church and they say, Now we confessed, we, we kneeled. And I cried through the whole thing. I think I came back week after week just for the confession. Because the church had the kindness to say, get it off your chest and be welcomed all the same to the table. We're all a mess in the end, right? <laughs> but we're welcome to the table. It's not about some outer presentation of Christian piety. It's about humility. So we're leaning in together. And then after the confession, the liturgy calls us to share the peace. That's why peace of Christ. May the peace of Christ be with all of us. And we get to go to one another to fulfill that prayer of Jesus and say, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. Everyone's in, everyone's welcome, everyone's included. The peace of Christ. And then we come to the table, which is a reminder of the great table at the end of it all in eternity. When all is said and done, the heart of God is that we would eat and we would drink together with Creator.
Now, Jesus was funny, and I think one of the greatest examples of the power of the Eucharist is when he finds Zacchaeus in the tree. You know the story? It's in my kid's, my kid's Bible storybook. Read Zacchaeus. So he goes up to him, and he's up in that tree to see. And Jesus, I mean, all of a sudden, all these people are probably looking at this guy who didn't really want to be you know, seen. And Jesus says, aren't you going to invite me to your house? Jesus has this way of not only inviting us to the table, but saying, invite me. Invite me into your gathering. Invite me into everything that you do. Like let the whole of your life and your gathering and your actions and your words and your prayers and your dream, let it be filled with me. Aren't you going to invite me? So that's why we pray. When we come to the table, we say, Holy Spirit, be a part of this. That's corporate worship. That's our commitment. That's what it means to commit to worship as a community. You start coming to this thing over and over. You start letting the Holy Spirit, the prayers, the liturgy all work on you. It'll change you. And we have music. See, when I went to church in college, they were like, let's just worship. And then here's the guy with the guitar, you know, coming out and we worship and then we stop worshiping. And then there's like an hour sermon. (laughs) And that kind of skewed it for me. Like, okay, so worship is music. (laughs) It's so much bigger than that. But I I thought it'd be good as we close to... um, we're, we're reimagining our music and arts space and trying to reclaim the role of music and arts in worship, both to inform worship and as an expression of worship. Because the earlier church did that a lot better than we are now. That art was worship, that music was worship, and also it informed the worship. It came alongside what the Holy Spirit was doing. Um, and I asked, uh, so Derek and Kelsey, who we just hired um, to dream and to build this space uh, as we continue, um, I want to ask Derek, and as a, it can be, well, it should be really short, but, but talk to us so we hear from you as the person who leads music and along with Kelsey and we'll have volunteers. What are we doing with music in, in this service? Like, how does it inform our worship and how... Is it informed by our worship? What's our posture towards it? Do you want a mic? Yeah, get a mic. Welcome, Derek. This is Derek. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this week. Like, I thought, you know, we listen to music. We can have worshipful experiences listening to it, but then why do we sing together? And... Obviously, like there's something special biologically that happens. You know, our hearts beat together, our brain waves become similar. There's something magical about that. But I, I remember that at our church back in New York, there was a really traumatic event that happened in the church um, to some kids. And we had this night where we we like... It was a lament worship night. And we sang these songs that we sang often in, in Sunday mornings, but it was, it 
it meant something different. And talking to friends afterwards, you know, some of my friends were like, I can't even, I couldn't sing the whole night. Because it was just like, how can I say glory to God in the face of this? But then, because we're all singing together, it's like almost like the person next to you is singing for you. Mm. It's, uh, so I think when we, when, we, when we take communion together, when we sing together, whenever we do something corporately, there's, there's space for us to all be engaging with it differently and not at all if we're, if we don't, if we're not unable to, but, are, but still willing to be there and cry in the back um, to let others speak for you or speak for others when, they, when your brother can't speak. Um, that's kind of how I see music, um, at least singing together, um, functioning for, for us. So these songs, we sing a lot of the same songs, but they can mean something different, just like the Eucharist will speak to you differently each week. And uh, yeah, so it, it really doesn't become about the music, or the contents of the music, but the, fun the way it's functioning in our in our hearts and in the people next to us, and, and I think that's the beautiful thing about all of us doing it together, is we all get to share our different experiences of Christ in, in music, or looking at an icon, experiencing art, we all are bringing something different to it, and the conversation about it is what's interesting to me, at least. I love it, thank you. And I love what he's saying because um, there's really nothing like this. As Rowan Williams said, even before Derek said it, there's nothing like the human family gathered in worship. It's so unique. So what does it look like to commit to that? It means just saying, I approach the table in a rhythm as best I can with this community. We do that on Sunday mornings. When uh, COVID happened, when COVID happened, that's kind of a, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, when we were, you know, shut down and we couldn't gather, uh, we had this really awkward conversation where, with the CLT where Seth and I were telling the CLT how we think we should proceed. And they listened to us and it had to do with, you know, video and all these things. And, and Rhonda Dodge, who was on CLT at the time, she just looked at us and she said, so you want to have a Christian-themed Sunday morning talk show, sort of. And we were like, no. But then we realized, like, oh, that is what we just said. We just said that. Like, we'd have stories and, you know. <laughs> and in wisdom, CLT said, look, just set the table every week. And we said, well, no one can come, so it kind of doesn't matter if the table's set or not. And they told us it deeply matters. It matters to know that it's set. And they, set, they shared one by one what it was like for them in that season and what it felt like on Sunday. We're meeting on Sunday night. That all day to go through everything that we were holding in that season, right? It was horrible. But to know that that night the table was set for absolutely no one but also in reality, we're everyone. 
we set the table. Week after week after week, we set it. We set it for you because Christ never stops setting the table. He never stops saying you're welcome. You have a place. Bring all that you are and all that you've held and all that is weighing you down and every hope, bring it as we pray, as we confess, he's with us. It's beautiful. I want to, um, I never do this, so forgive the cheese. I'm just going to say, forgive me if it's cheesy. It may be cheesy. Don't leave. <laughs> I won't ever do this again. <laughs> Let's worship. Yeah. Um, I, we sing a lot of songs from United Pursuit. There's a, they're a kind of music collective out of Tennessee, and um, it, they stopped writing all of a sudden, and we were like, okay. Well, they're going through a journey with the church. What does it mean to come to the table? I don't know if I can come to the table. Is it still set? Does it, is it anything at all? Like, what about the way the church is behaving? And you, th- you think about the last four years, it, just that. Um, and they wrote this song about returning, about returning to the table, and I just want to play it. And um, so if, you, if you're not into this, you can just check out. But if you are, we'll put the lyrics. And I think it's good because it speaks to that. It speaks to the, to the thing that calls us back to the beauty of the table. Even when we may have been gone for a while, we don't really know how to relate to it, but I think it's beautiful. And um, Kelsey said I could do this because it is art. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if... I guess hit play and and then we'll go into prayers. Oh, 
If I could face you, why would I? 